everybody, and welcome to episode number one of Branding Bud Live. We're really excited to have you join us for our weekly show, which is 100% THC, 0% WTF. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group and author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm joined by my co-host, Adriana Hemans, Director of Marketing with seven years experience in cannabis. Hey, Adriana, how are you? Hey, I'm great, David. Super excited to be here doing our very first episode of Branding Bud Live. Uh, if you've seen any of our previous streams, you probably noticed this is a totally different background. I'm actually in Franklin, Tennessee at a WeWork because I'm here meeting with the Chorus Compliance team. They're probably like hiding right outside the door and ready to like pop up and play a prank on me. Uh, but they were kind enough to let me take some time out to do this stream with, uh, with David and with our amazing guests we're about to bring on. We are out here getting ready to launch some cool uh, software for dispensaries that will streamline the compliance process. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the show, which, uh, we've really been missing talking to everybody right we used to talk every week on a regular basis and took a little vacation but now we're back with stuff that's even better um like david mentioned every week we bring on a really cool guest this week is definitely no exception and really we want to talk to people from across the cannabis ecosystem to share their perspectives share their journeys talk to us about what's going on really the boots on the ground perspective so It'll be an interesting, uh, an interesting conversation on an ongoing basis. Also, I should mention that uh, what's unique about this show, what I really like about it the most, is that we really lean into the interactivity. So we really want to hear from our audience. It's not just about me and David up here talking and our guests up here talking. It's really about the community that we're building and bringing this industry into the new era. So feel free to drop a message in the chat, a question, a comment, an opinion, tell us what you had for breakfast, whatever you want. We want to hear from you. This is our show. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we could see already, I could see already in, in the, uh, in the chat, we have some friends. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Mr. Cooper and, and Mike Fisher and Lillian. Um, we're really excited to have you here and we're really excited to, uh, to have Steve here. Um, Steve Fan is our guest for today, um, and he has so much to say. He's been around uh, both both coasts uh, related to cannabis for quite some time, so we're super excited. Um, as Adriana mentioned, we're always talking to industry insiders, and Steve is is one of them. Our first first guest on today's episode um, of Branding Bud Live. So, with that said, um, Steve is uh, the co-founder of Comeback Daily, which is New York City's number one CBD store and uh, chain of stores, I should say, and has really um, uh, gone through quite quite um, you know an evolution over the course of the last few years. And we're going to speaking. We'll be speaking with Steve about that. So why don't we bring out Steve and we'll we'll chat with him and say hello. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. It's like an honor roll moment for me. Inaugural episode. <laughs> this, is like, this is up there. So really excited and um, looking forward to a great conversation. Awesome. We're so excited to have you. And just for Folks in the audience who might not know, can you share with us a little bit about Comeback Daily and how you grew that brand? Yeah, sure. Um, so Comeback Daily, the idea 
to go brick and mortar during a time when podcasts were talking about, you know, brick and mortar on the out for more traditional sectors. Um, I was working at a manufacturing company and I noticed, you know, while I was, um, you know, heading the sales department there and working with clients remotely to help them get educated on CBD products and how they can integrate it with their daily lives. It was, it was a very, very apparent, you know, almost, I think it was like maybe 10 to 11 people, if I could remember that just would always end the conversation with like, can I come see you? And at that moment I was working, you know, a nine to five job, moonlighting for a CBD sales company. I mean, a CBD manufacturing company, hoping I could bring it up enough that I could step away. And that's when I realized, um, you know, that this, that people wanted a store, people wanted brick and mortar. It took me a second to like really take that leap and, and go with it. But, um, you know, I would attribute it to the customers telling me what I needed to hear, which was that they can Google this information, they can hear it through a live chat, but to, to, to meet someone face to face and have that intimate uh, proximity is, is, is really beneficial and of value to them. And so um, big, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so a big part of Comeback Daily is education too, and, and really being there for the, for the customers. Oh, totally. You know, that was something I, I noticed very early on being born and raised in the West Coast, right in San Francisco. Um, when I would go to various community events or meetups, they call them back then. Um, I don't know where this website is now, if it still exists, but there was that meetups website. And a lot of it was centered around education. When I met the community there, you know, at this time, I was probably like 20, 22, 23 years old, um, people, people recognized it and, and pointed it out to me like, oh, you, you seem to have a very pretty deep knowledge about cannabis. And, and I didn't realize it in California because I just became infatuated with the plant. It's kind of part of the culture, right? In 2008, there was a Wonders of Cannabis event in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco, where I got to actually meet Ed Rosenthal and and uh, the late Jack Herrera um, prior before he passed. And, you know, I was like 16 at the time, like snuck into this park event and got to really immerse myself in, in kind of what, where we're at now. Right. Um, and so I, I had a very different understanding of cannabis before coming to the East coast. And that helped me really like, um, lean into it much heavier here because I got to learn about, you know, um, the disproportionate arrest rate. I got to learn about why we talk about black and brown, black and brown folks um, in this community and in this industry. Right. And so it, it was a very different look on cannabis than I was used to in California. I think I was too young to kind of be participating too young and first generation Vietnamese Chinese. Yeah, those those don't add up well to be advocating in the streets for cannabis, right? So it was um, it was interesting to see how that education helped me basically build everything that we're talking about today. You know, just because you mentioned it, mentioned it in a quick tangent, uh, you you mentioned being being Asian uh, and being yeah. Yeah, around cannabis. It's interesting because. Um, now there's there's a real great um, 
there's groupings, there's there's true meetups of of Asia and and um, associations, um, yeah. you know, of Asians in the cannabis space. And I think it's um, it shows how far we've come, right? You know, from yeah. where you were uh, to where we are now. Oh, definitely. It's you know, there's. I heard it in San Francisco, and I saw it here. But um, you know, aside, I would say the Asian community is especially with the the next generation i think a combination of education and a change of times we're we're raising our voices right but um there's still a tough tough stance against cannabis and you saw that with uh, cure relief when they opened in forest hills uh people called me and they're like hey you know there's like protesters out there would you want to come talk and see if we can help them, you know, come to a, a common understanding of why this is good for the community and why they shouldn't fear it, you know, things like that. So it's, it's very, very interesting to see different cultures um, and how, you know, they respond or take a position on the plant. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I know on the West Coast, Ophelia Chong has been really pushing for this and yeah. uh, for the, for not only normalization, but the, the normalization within uh, the Asian culture. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, absolutely. Well, you, you know, um, before we get deeper into the conversation, we always have, uh, a couple of questions that, that we ask the, um, audience to participate in. And then of course our guest chimes in. Um, so we've got two of those for you today, um, yeah. for the audience to participate. So, Adriana, do you want to take it away and uh, we'll jump into what we call our canna quiz? Yeah, let's do it. Do it. When, when you guys see this canna quiz, you're either going to love me or hate me because this one is definitely a tricky one. Um, and I'll explain why. So don't go with your first instinct if you want to go ahead and try to guess for it. Uh, so this stat is what percentage of New Yorkers consume cannabis regularly? Three options. Option A is 1% to 3%. Option B is 8% to 10%. And option C is 25 to 27%. And before you guess, let me give you just a little bit of background on where we got this from um, and why we're sharing this stat. So this came from a report that was commissioned by New York State. Uh, and they, they put this together as they were contemplating what would be the impact of of recreationally legal cannabis in the state. So this is from 2018. And before you start asking yourself, why are David and Adriana sharing stats from 2018? I'll tell you why. Just because this was really, I think, a very pivotal and impactful moment in the movement for New York State specifically. So I'll fast forward to the actual results. They did, um, they did some research. They surveyed residents of New York to figure out what was going on. Um, and then the recommendations that they came up with, there were some really important pieces in there. One of them was that they recognized that having um, legal cannabis would help to protect consumers. It would make the, the industry safer for them. Products would be safer for them. They also came to the conclusion that it would reduce opioid deaths. Uh, they also talked about the beneficial impact of tourism dollars purchasing cannabis particularly international tourists. And then lastly, and this piece for me is the most interesting part, they acknowledge the intrinsic health benefits of cannabis. So really pivotal report. 
Go ahead and take a guess. Throw your guess in the chat. Is it A, 1 to 3%, B, 8% to 10%, or C, 25% to 27%? And keep in mind, it's a little different than what we would see in a typical market research uh, study where we're just looking at sort of like the, um, the trends and the movements of the industry. This was more for legislation and regulation purposes. So go ahead and take a guess. I see a couple B's coming in and one C. Thanks for guessing. Yeah. And it's awesome to see everybody from around the country. We got all the way up and down the, uh, the West Coast. Uh, we've got Seattle, Washington right here with me and then down through Oregon and uh, San Francisco and San Diego and some others. So it's- And some uh, mellow vibes from Oregon. Humble. Hi, Brad. That's right, humble. We've got uh, Aaron jumping in there as well. Welcome, Aaron. Well, um, well, well, folks are still putting in their answers if, if they're up for it. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? I would have to I would have to guess C. Um, based on based on the amount of marijuana smoke I smell in the street, and you got, <laughs> you got Instagrams of, of Mayor Adams. Oh man, I don't know if you guys have seen these, but he's like he's just chuckling the whole time. He's like. Oh, someone! I smell some. I smell some weed smoke. Someone <laughs> smoking weed. <laughs> I was like, "You're smoking weed." Do you know there was, there was something over the summer that I saw where um, people were calling him out because it was very hot and the garbage wasn't getting picked up. So they said yeah. it smelled like garbage, and he came back and he said, "The city doesn't smell like garbage. It smells like weed." <laughs> <laughs> Better smell weed than garbage, right? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Well, we've got lots of B's. We have lots of C's. Um, no one, no one for the A. Um, all right, Steve, and, and you, you said number C, did you not? I think, I think I'd go with C. Let's see if we were able to stump Steven on this one. And the answer is, we'll have sound effects next week. It is. Oh, the answer is B which I know is very surprising. Um, but again, it's like a little bit different um, lens that this report was created from. They looked at consumers who had consumed cannabis in the past 30 days, whereas, you know, I've come from the world of market research and data, and we tend to look at past 90 days as the indicator of what you would call like a current consumer. So this one was a little bit more narrow in the focus. It was more looking at, um, the, the incidence of regular consumption. But uh, yeah, I know I've seen dozens of reports that say that the US market in general is divided into three segments. Rejectors of cannabis, about 30%. Uh, current consumers, about 30%. And then the other third are people who are not current consumers, but are open to it. Uh, so I think when you're looking at a government funded report, it tends to be a little bit more conservative in its estimates. But uh, yeah, we can probably drop the link in the chat if anybody's curious to check that one out. And for everybody who guessed, thank you. And I did see a lot of correct answers out there. So you all have your thinking caps on today. Absolutely. And there's no doubt um, helping to understand what the term regularly means is what this is all about. And that's why Adriana took a moment to sort of call it out initially. Um, because um, we always talk about data and we always talk about how data can be really deceiving if uh, if we don't talk through it or define it in, in ways that are meaningful. So, um, so thanks for calling that out as well. You know, 
the the Steve the we're gonna jump back in. We got one more kind of quiz later, but we're gonna jump back in. And the thing, um, the thing that strikes me the most, right? Being from New York, but being in the Washington cannabis market now for uh, eleven years or so, um, returning home to New York, seeing what's going on there, seeing all of the stores opening up, or stores, dispensaries, clubs, whatever they're called, um, yeah. going into bodegas. And seeing that you know you can buy a, a pre-roll at a bodega, I'm not quite sure if it's if it's hemp or if it's cannabis or if it's somewhere in between or what it is. But you know, and then even going into Washington Square Park, I mean, it's just off the charts. Um, right. So with all of these things going on, you know, as as a native New Yorker coming back home, it really struck me um, what I read about from afar and what the city and the state is doing to regulate and the speed at which they're moving versus the reality of what's happening on the streets seems like yeah. two very different things. So would you just talk us through for a moment, like, you know, what's it like to create a cannabis brand in New York right now with both a real serious gray market uh, taking place as well as all of these MSOs and other licensed um, entities waiting on the sidelines to get their directions, right? So um, tell us what the wild East is like, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure you saw when we when we uh, when you came over here and we walked around a little bit just around the comeback daily store in the East Village, especially um, that that East Village, Lower East Side area. It's, uh, it's pretty rampant. You know, there's people I think it's a mix of people just brazen and also people truly just not understanding. Maybe they didn't follow and, and it sounds it sounds crazy to hear, but they didn't follow cannabis so closely that they know you have to go through this extensive licensing application process. Right. They think, oh, now it's legal. I, I, I register like a normal business. You know, we had this very early on where someone posted, I got my license and it was a resale, uh, resale certificate, like the orange form with their tax ID on it. And that's like not a cannabis license. Right. And so there's there, I've seen a mix of that. And then I think when it comes to the, the branding side of, of cannabis right now, I think, you know, the, the easiest demographic that's being addressed is obviously the underground market right so they're following you know west coast trends they're following a lot of these uh, notorious brands that also whose owners are also come from they're they really have been legacy operators that became brands and they are the owners themselves are going to different states you know doing drops meeting people like i think right now in cannabis you have to meet the customer and it was kind of that's why we opened comeback daily right like you have to have that space to be able to affect the customer in a way that you want and then they're kind of within your ecosystem now and so it's it's very interesting you know to to talk about this subject because even i myself if i'd have to admit like i'm a I'd rank myself as like a high THC user, right? Like it's, I think it's good to start talking about the different types of users and then kind of zoom out based and then look at the demographic and then look at 
who your brand is really trying to attract because i mean now that you that we've gotten to know each other you know like cbd is definitely kind of the opposite of what i always wanted to do you know all my efforts in the cannabis space were to sell thc um to, to take that legacy operation and, and make it into something that was legit and to be able to tell mom and dad right and so i i find myself as like the high thc or like the lira canagars like that's great you know some people wouldn't opt for something like that because they're not an experienced user yet but that is a whole part of the market that's kind of untapped and i i tried a lot to really think about what that market is and how you speak to that market because it's not one that i understand deeply comeback daily did give me a big um, advantage to kind of shifting my mindset and, and our marketing strategy to you know not go to high times but go to baby shower events or women's wellness events and so it's just a very very black and white shift for me but we did it you know we we understood that it was going to be moms and aunts and um grandparents coming in the store and so we needed to make it some a place that they felt welcome and felt safe to you know explore this new thing that they thought was going to get them high which isn't but it's going to help them and we're going through the whole routine right but um yeah i think right now it's it's you have to just choose the, the target that you want to reach and and go for it because um the 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 space right now people think that everything that they see on instagram or social media these brands that are really really active are the ones that are like winning and maybe they are maybe they aren't i won't speak on that but some of the brands that you may see that aren't in that hype category i'd say um like for stizzy for example you know best-selling vape uh in the whole market of california and you know people i don't think a lot of people would consider it like a top 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 shelf product but it's at the right price point they do volume and they're a strong business and a strong brand they are Stop you for one second and call out a couple of great comments that have come in from our audience. Um, the last one from Steve that I just had to remark on too many cannabis brands do not really think through who is your target audience, reiterating what you just said, Stephen. And I can't tell you how many times I've had this exact same conversation, um, which is understandable, right? You create yeah. a product, you love it. You think that you're marketing to other people just like you. And that's really not the case. You you are not your audience is a conversation we have a lot. Um, it sounds like you have a good handle on that. And also you're able to put yourself in the shoes of diverse types of consumers. Cause of course we all know there's not just one type of cannabis consumer. Yeah. You, you know, when it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting, you know, as, as we talk about brands and we talk about consumers, you know, it, it truly is, um, you know, in, in my book, and someone just wrote brand books, anyone, you know, there's the 14 cannabis brand archetypes where we talk about the different types of consumers and why, you know, brands appeal or repel, um, you know, people. Um, so it's really interesting. I think the one thing which is really important to note is back in the day, and when I say back in the day, a few years ago, people were, were still <laughs> saying back in the day. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, cannabis sells itself. And the truth is that maybe it did back in the day. And, you know, if you're if your dealer came with, uh, you know, brown or green, you were thrilled that there was a choice. But today there's choice. Today there's selection. Today there's convenience. There's all these different things. And, and, assume, and assuming the quality is of a certain level, it's really the brands and the outer layering um, and the story behind the flower itself that's really speaking to the consumers. And I think that's where we, we need to step it up with brands, but we need to know who we're talking to. We just can't create brands. Yeah. No, I think, you know, and that's why sometimes I look back and I remind myself that, yeah, I wasn't maybe fully accepting of CBD on the initial, you know, education of it, but it really helped me gain an experience to cannabis that it, it sometimes it takes conversations like we're having for me to realize but what 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 kind of clicked in my head just now is that you know the okay if you look at california seattle and colorado right it comes online and you're a brand and you were maybe in the garage printing on your epson and now you got to go full-fledged like printing labels special effects and 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 the whole nine yards but you're only up against california right and then you're only up against washington and then you're only up against colorado but with cbd that thing blew up so fast and you were up you were up against everyone you're up against bootstrap you're up against unlimited budgets i was just reading this article about a ceo he, i don't know how they do this but he he got like millions of dollars and never made anything i don't know i don't know how these people do it but basically I, I saw that and and we experienced it. And I myself being on, you know, our store was on Broadway and Canal Street. We had a different type of customer there. It was Tribeca, New York City. That's a pretty affluent zip code. And so I really had to shift how I thought about branding. And there's an example that I always love. It was um, a CBD remedy. It was a black owned CBD brand. And they came in the store and they, they asked to put it on the Comeback Daily shelf. And it was a almond oil um, CBD tincture, which was different than most what other people use. The almond oil is a little lighter on the digestive system. And so I told him, I said, look, like this is different. And I can actually, I have space for it just based on how I curate my products. Like I don't want overlap, but like people are going to feel, they're not going to feel what, I feel right now because they don't know what I know. So, so you got to do something to the branding. So that I feel better about it. Cause I told him, I said, look, like, look at the stores that are around us. I might be new, but this is H and M. This is Soho Broadway. You're seeing the, the biggest retailers. And so we had to help people understand that. And he became number two selling product in the store after the rebrand. Wow. It was wow. awesome. awesome. And just, uh, you know, this, <clears throat> just a quick question. Have you found, you know, because CBD had such a, a quick rise and then as the interest in other cannabinoids became, you know, popular and sort of evolved, it seemed like everybody has, has somewhat forgotten about CBD. Um, do, you, yeah. do, you, do you feel that or, or is that? Yeah, I definitely feel that. You know, when, when I opened Comeback Daily, I remember doing some uh, speaking engagements or whatever, or just commenting. And I said at the time that, 
CBD would go mainstream and, you know, kind of what, what the press was saying, that everyone would start to understand and it become as common as your Tylenol. And uh, it <laughs> that wasn't the case. Uh, once Delta 8 came around, I saw very quickly. I'll, I'll never forget. I, I think I've told you this story before, maybe, but it was a 65 year old customer who came in and I didn't want to sell Delta 8 because I had just shifted my whole marketing strategy to be like, this won't get you high. There's nothing here that'll get you high. And then now they got Delta 8. And I was like, no, we're not selling that. We're going to stick to our we're going to stick to our roots and, and we're just going to own it. And then yeah, 65 year old customer comes in and she's like, Hey, I, I, I saw on Google, there's Delta eight and, and you can, you can get high from it and it's, it's legal. And she like said it like it's, it's legal. And I was like, <laughs> yes, it's definitely legal. Let, I brought some in and she tried it. I let my staff try it. And it's very interesting. You know, I, I feel, I, I think I would love to get a very deep scientific, you know, understanding of what what the different cannabinoids are but as far as these these alternative cannabinoids something special that i've noticed from it is that we're starting to have stepping stones to this world of cannabis right you have cbd which is like i'm scared i don't want to feel anything i never take anything okay let's start here and then they they start this and they're like oh, you know i see other people like really relaxed on pot but it's just never been for me I want to I want to try something like not too strong. And that's been that kind of middle ground. Like I hear I heard um, college students at the time that were working for Comeback Daily and we gave them samples tell us like, oh, this is I'll never smoke pot. But this while I'm working, it kind of helps me calm down. I can focus a little better. Like that was really cool to hear from that angle where. I think of my mom and dad all the time, right? We, we said earlier that I'm first generation and it's like, I, I hope that one day they would be open to using CBD or THC more regularly and less like, a, oh no, I, I did it once, it worked, but no, no, I can't do it again. I'm going to get addicted. You know, that's the response. That's how it is right now. And so we'll see. We just got to keep fighting that fight at home in the world with our communities and finding the right way to explain it and get them to relate to it. And, and these baby steps are, are cool to me. I think, yeah. you know, everyone has their opinion on the isomer, you know, uh, process where they're, they're changing CBD to Delta eight. And, you know, it's definitely not, not something I'm a fan of, but if it can be done properly and, and the research shows that, it's you know not harmful then i don't see it as a bad thing the point that you just made Stephen, about there being stepping stones i think is really important and worth reiterating again that as we start to develop products that are either low dose or have other cannabinoid uh, combinations that maybe are not as intoxicating as just what we're traditionally used to yeah. There's a big opportunity for brands coming in. There's a big opportunity to like awaken and engage with segments that may be now sitting in the rejector category. Um, so going back to the, the conversation about brands and of course this is branding Bud Live. So we're obsessed with that topic in general. I'm just curious to know from you, 
um, as someone who's like deeply entrenched in this New York market, and you're here like watching this explosive growth in in the gray market, the so-called gray market, what is the in your opinion, like, what is the potential of this? Do you think that it's true what people say that New York could become the second largest market after California? I've, I strongly believe that, um, you know, being here for the past what, 15 years now, you know, on one, on one hand, it's, it's the obvious. It's just the number of people, right? It's so many people, high rate of tourism, one of the highest in the country. And so you combine that with just this, this, this every every other state that's not legal, well, that that isn't legal yet, is just has just been waiting. Like since since the West Coast, you know, kind of started it all, started the wave. Everyone else has just been waiting, and so I think the the combination of you know the black market coming to other states and influencing and keeping people up to date on what's actually coming out in the California market is an advantage to actually start thinking about how you can be a market differentiator or the direction that you want to go as a brand. And, and I'm curious when you, when you say it's an advantage to who are you talking to the New York brands that are sitting on the sidelines watching it, or is it an advantage to the California brands that are already making it to New York and have the brand awareness. So when things kick off, they can just jump right into the market and sort of come from the gray market into the legal market and be recognized. Um, I think more for the New York brands, to be honest, because I've seen an experience just, a, you know, there's, there's really very few places with this, like, east coast pride like i'd say boston is one of them like new york is one of them and um i think it gives the advantage to new york brands because people want to support local brands you know i know of um some of these gray market speakeasies that um really specialize in locally grown new york flour and they've completely switched out their flour offerings to just locally grown new york flour and the customers love it. They love to hear it. They love to hear from what region. And sometimes it's it's right in their backyard, right in Queens, right in the Bronx. And that's 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 special to them. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, you know, that that you know, that home pride is what it's all about. Um and you know, we've seen this in all sorts of things in the past, whether it's hip hop and rap or whether it's skateboard brands or streetwear brands, we've seen this, but um, it's interesting to see the West Coast brands moving to the East Coast and coming in and getting recognition early on. Um, you know, I, in keeping, in, just in keeping on time, uh, yeah. we, we can, we can always talk about brands and keep on chatting about them. And there've been so many comments as well. Um, you know, and I see, by the way, I just want to call this out, Brett Puffenbarger, who is, an yeah. amazing person and a great resource. He just called out something that uh, that not only you should look at might answer some of your questions, but um, yeah, here. Thank you for that, Brad. Um, just in keeping with the time, we do have another can of quiz question, and uh, I want to jump to that because we got about uh, ten minutes left. So, um, so let's jump to the next uh, can of quiz question. Where in cannabis 
where, sorry, where is cannabis allowed to be consumed in New York? Um, A, on the High Line. And for those of you that don't know, there really is something called the High Line and it's New York City's number one free attraction uh, in, in Manhattan. Um, B, Washington Square Park and who hasn't heard about the consumption of Washington Square Park, or C, anywhere tobacco is permitted. Um, so I see that we have a C here, uh, a couple of Cs. Um, so I'm curious. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> this one was a little easier than the first one, I think. <laughs> Look at them roll in. Well, <laughs> well Obviously, this was uh, this was too easy. Thank you, thank you for the giggle, um, Andrew. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Cheryl, Niagara Falls. Here you go. Um, well, and the the answer is, and we'll have our sound effects again next week. Drum roll, please. The answer is, people can leave. People are legally allowed to smoke in public wherever smoking tobacco is legal. So, if you smoke tobacco there, you can smoke cannabis there. Of course always consume responsibly. Um, so that said, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just to, uh, you know, just to kind of um, see really what's, what's going on in, in New York and to sort of get, get a sense of, of, you know, what's, what's real, what's perceived, um, what are the things people experiencing in New York versus the things that people are hearing about taking place in New York? It's it's always really interesting. But Steve, the, the one thing I'd like to ask you is, um, you know, who or what do you consider to be, um, you know, the best kept secret in cannabis? Is there is there any person or resource perhaps or or anything that you might just sort of call out and point our listeners to that might help them better understand the current state of cannabis? Yeah, I think um, for one, if you're visiting New York, um, I would I would put at the top of my list right now, as far as local New York roots goes, um, the pizza pusher. Do you know about him? I've he heard has, about him. Yes. Sure. So he has a full on uh, pizza parlor with infused pizza, infused sodas. He's run it for a very long time. Uh, I think a little bit after COVID died down, he had um, Stony Island Park. He did a whole activation um, over by uh, Coney Island. And yeah, he's just uh, someone that I, I've, you know, a legend, a legend in the legacy world and in the New York game. And then, you know, for catching up on New York, On The Revel. On The Revel is an amazing resource. Um, they're an organization that puts together events and brings speakers to um, update us and, you know, give those uh, of the attendees that want to learn, you know, different tools to further themselves in their business endeavors. So really great resource. I've been working with them a long time. And I was, you know, I was actually one of the first attendees from day one. And just stuck with them and now we, we work together as partners so it's very cool awesome and uh, <clears throat> i guess just just to call out uh, there's high new york there there are a few um you know interesting um groups or organizations or people behind them that that are really oh yeah things mike z too yeah i was day oneers i was a day one for all those organizations 
I was there on the inaugural day and I stuck with them until still now. And you're still there. That's awesome. I'm still there. That's so cool. Thank you for giving us a little insider's look for, for folks who are not as familiar with the New York scene, myself included in that. Um, and where can people find you, get a hold of you, learn more about you, Stephen? So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Thank you. Shout out to LinkedIn for hosting us today, hosting our stream. Um, my Instagram is P-H-A-N underscore man. And I see a lot of people messaged in the audience chat. I think I'll be able to see it on LinkedIn. So I'll make sure to get back to everyone. There's, I definitely want to geek out on some of the cannabinoid stuff with experts. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and yeah, you can find Comeback Daily in the East Village at 516 East 11th Street. Uh, we're also online. Um, we have a white label line as well as third-party products. Um, the name? Yeah, it was Comeback Daily. Yeah. Comeback Daily is the name of the store. The acronym is CBD. It took That's me a minute to get that. And then I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> the address again, oh. you're... And on the rebel, Elizabeth is asking it's OTR on the rebel. Cool. And is that R E V E L or R E B E L? R E V E L. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that, Dave. Perfect. Awesome. Right on. Well, we are so thrilled to have had you here today. Um, Steve, you know, we, we could chat forever. Um, I know. And especially when it comes to cannabis and branding and uh, the, the three of us can, can go forever. And, and the folks that have been listening in and participating, um, I know many of you and thank you for joining today. And, uh, and we thank you for your participation as well. Um, we're excited to do this every week and, and keep doing it. Right on. We're gonna continue to geek out over here. Thanks so much, Steven. I love it. Thank you. Thank you everyone for watching and tuning in and participating. This was great. And if you come to New York, come visit us. That's awesome. We'll send them your way, Steve. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Right on. And so um, that said, uh, we, we thank uh, Stephen for joining us today. We're really excited. We have the most amazing lineup of people. Um, you know, we were scheduled out for the next almost four or five months now with the most amazing guests. So please come back every week. Um, thank you all. A quick shout out to Marino PR um, for doing a great job and uh, not only with us, but with uh, Steve as well. Um, we are excited for next week's episode number two. Um, our guest is Dre Newman. He is the chief creative officer uh, at Jushi, and we will be talking about the convergence of creativity, cannabis, and commerce. Um, there's four C's in there, so I got that alliteration out right. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We love to bring you the best of the best in the cannabis space and uh, try to make sense out of the crazy, um, the, the crazy world we live and work in. So um, thank you, everybody. Thank you again, Adriana. Thank you to our team behind the scenes that have been running the show. We really appreciate that. Um, so thank you. Uh, Adriana, you want to close out? I will be dropping a link in the chat to our next episode, which is with the creative director of Dushi. Should be a really exciting, fun conversation. 
And I also want to mention that we're doing a book giveaway. If you follow our LinkedIn page, Branding But Live, you'll be automatically entered to win a signed copy of the first book about branding for cannabis, Branding Bud. So definitely go follow us for a chance to win. Right on. And that said, feel free to, uh, as Adriana just said, follow us on our LinkedIn page um, or check us out um, at brandingbud.com where you can find out more about Branding Bud, the commercialization of cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding, as well as the services that we offer for consulting to the cannabis industry. Again, thank you so much. We'll catch you next week. Um, thank you again. And we're super excited that we could do this every week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.